This morning, I would like to lay some more foundation on basic, un, uh, basic understanding of spiritual victory and the problems that we have in seeing that occur. And a lot of time, that's not the area that we're struggling with that is the problem. It is a wrong perspective on who we are, what God has done, and how victory can be obtained. In the very first session back at the beginning of the school year, I preached on abiding in Christ. And there we looked at the matter uh, that uh, uh, without him we can do absolutely nothing. We can know that, but somehow we really don't get a hold of that because we are so dependent upon our natural abilities, and that's just been life. We live that way. That's part of how we are made. So I want to look at this again from a very simple but very important passage. Turn with me to Romans chapter 7, if you would, here today. Romans chapter 7. A hungry fox tried to reach some clusters of grapes, which he saw hanging from a vine uh, on a tree, but they were too high. So he went off and comforted himself by saying, they weren't ripe anyway. That's a uh, fable of Aesop. But the, the attitude that that fox has had is what we find ourselves a lot of times. Well, I can't do it anyway. That's too high of an expectation. There's something wrong with me. You know, other people have the ability to get a hold of God, but I just don't seem to have it. Now, those thoughts are natural because in and of ourselves, we are uh, without the power to have victory. But oftentimes, those are little whispers of Satan himself trying to get you to focus on yourself. Now, we need to understand that every one of us are born insecure. Now, the reason I say that is that once mankind fell, we uh, came under the condemnation of the Lord. And it was through, of course, the finished work of Christ that we have salvation. And by the time we trust in the Lord... Uh, we have gotten into this sense that we are not measuring up. And that's actually a good thing. What does the law do? It's a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. But there is a natural built-in sense that I can't please God or uh, there's something wrong with me. Well, the fact is there's something deadly wrong with all of us. We're sinners, we're depraved, we deserve hell. We cannot, in and of ourselves, have victory. But once we come to know the Lord as Savior, we are a child of God, indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Our very spirit is regenerated, and as Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24 says, we are, uh, the new man is regenerated in righteousness and true holiness. And young people, you need to realize that the true you, your genuine identity before God, is that you have the righteousness of Christ. It's been imputed to you. You're his child. Listen, if your spirit wasn't regenerated, would the Holy Spirit be able to live there? Absolutely not. Now that's good news, folks. Yeah, I remember I've given this illustration. You returning students have heard me give it a couple of times, but... 
years ago, I was working with a fellow that had depressive problems and had been a heroin addict, went in and out of it. Well, I tell you, heroin addiction is just a horrible thing, and it's really rampant in our country. So I was working with him, and uh, he, his, he was just, you know, no use for him. He had failed so many times. It was impossible, and, of course, I was thinking the same thing. You know, this is really bad. This is hard. I've been so thankful for our addictions program here that has been able to assist me in this. But anyway, we were... We happened to be talking one day, and he was really endeavoring to do what was right. And he said some things about himself, about being hopeless, he's a bum, you know, the whole thing. And a lot of it was sort of humanly true. Um, But then I went through this truth that he's a new creation in Christ, that the Holy Spirit indwelt him, that uh, he was created in righteousness and true holiness. And I said to him, I said, the real you is holy. And God the Spirit just the light went on. All of a sudden, he had a total different view of himself. I am a co-heir with Jesus Christ. Yes, I have totally failed. My flesh is horrible. Uh, But I am regenerated. I have been born again. And his life dramatically changed. He began to serve the Lord. He began to uh, do some great things for years there. It was just amazing the turnaround. The turnaround came because he understood what is reality. Folks, spiritual victory is not a promise. The matter of you having what you need in you is not a promise. It is a reality. You've got to understand that when you got saved, something very dramatic happened in your life. You're not the same. And many of you, because you grew up in Christian homes, do not understand the enormous difference between pre-salvation and post-salvation. But it doesn't make any difference because you have a much greater opportunity to, to counteract that, uh, that insecurity that comes because of the needs that we have because much earlier you can get a hold of that truth. So don't worry about I was saved when I was four out of a terrible life of sin. Well, you should have seen what I did to my sister. when <laughs> I don't even remember, but I'm sure I was, well, my dad said I was a little harder to handle, so anyway, I can, I can, I, I see one of my little grandkids, and I can see myself in him. Anybody figure out who that one is? <clears throat> Probably you could guess them all, but <clears throat> one of them just has that, oh my, I'm thinking, that's what my dad went through. Uh, some of you know little Nathan, uh, Pastor Van's uh, second to youngest now. Uh, but anyway, I look at him running around. I think, oh, my. Anyway, <clears throat> but uh, I was saved out of that. And, uh, and I was. That was a miracle. I was saved just like you. How many of you were saved between four and eight? You need to praise God for that. Don't think, wow, I don't have much of a testimony. Thank the Lord. You do have a, te- a great testimony. You were headed to hell, and then, then you start. you were headed to heaven. That's a great testimony. And God saved you from a lot of stuff that could have absolutely ruined your life. And uh, I can tell you what, the scars and the problems are difficult in uh, the lives of people that come out of great sin. And God uses that in their life. But be thankful for what God has done. And you have a great opportunity. But we need to understand that we have this natural thinking that sin is inevitable, and it is to some degree because we'll have the flesh with us <clears throat> until we die, and uh, we will only be perfectly sanctified when we get to heaven. But folks, 
The spirit of God in us is far greater than your flesh. Your spirit is regenerated. See, you're a new creation and you have the Holy Spirit. Your flesh is no match for God. And Satan is no match for God when you're walking in the spirit. I mean, you have atomic power compared to a BB gun when it comes to when you're walking with God. So we ought to be living lives of victory, surprised by defeat, not lives of defeat, every so often thankful for a little bit of victory. That is your inheritance. But isn't that the opposite of how we think? That's why I'm giving this a little talk here this morning, because I want you to get a hold of what you have in Christ. And so I want us to see here uh, the problem of thinking that we have. And let's just go down to verse 14. I'm not going to bring into context with all of Romans 6, 7, and 8. I would take the rest of the time just doing that. But let's just go right to the core of what I want to talk about today. Verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not." Well, that's quite a testimony from Demas, isn't it? No, that's not the one who was the human author. Uh, This isn't Alexander the coppersmith. Now, who is this? This is Paul. And Romans was not written right at the beginning of his ministry. He was well into the ministry, having great victory. And yet, he's not speaking in hyperbole here, folks. This is an honest testimony about the tendencies in his life. Can you relate to Paul here? Uh, this is very helpful, folks. Don't you love the honesty of the Bible? I mean, it's just uh, straightforward. It doesn't cover over anything. And so, we've got to understand that our flesh, this body of sin... Our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, um, in its natural state, is, is totally under the domination of sin. But our real person, our spirit, is now born again, created in righteousness and holiness. The Holy Spirit indwells us. So our mind, will, emotions, and our body and all of its desires can be overcome But we've got to realize that our flesh, if it's dominating, is controlled by what? Sin. And what does the law do concerning our flesh? It condemns our flesh. I mean, you read the law, you go right down the line, and uh, it just puts a finger right on about every issue you can think of in your own personal life. Now, I mentioned that fellow that was in my office, and the light turned on, and, you know, honestly, if you had seen him, Uh, his heroin addiction, his depression, it was just sad. It was just really sad. But you know, your flesh is no better than that. Thank God for the discipline of your parents. Thank God for the good environments you were in. Thank God that many of you got saved later on, early on in life. You know, that's a wonderful thing. But listen, every predisposition to sin that he has, you have. 
And we've got to understand that. And Paul was making that very clear. Sometimes you're going to be, uh, you're going to know someone that has lived for God, and then all of a sudden, oh my, what happened? Well, folks, that shouldn't happen. It should not happen. And there's whole reasons why it does happen. But the old flesh is bad. It is bad. And so uh, that's why uh, the Apostle Paul under inspiration in 1 Corinthians says uh, that uh, take heed when you think you stand lest you fall. One of the most dangerous places to be is to think you humanly have arrived. No, your flesh is bad and it will be till you die. Now, character by, empowered by the Spirit can bring the flesh under control. And when you live for God, you can have victory over the flesh on a regular basis. But the flesh doesn't get sanctified in the sense that it changes the sin uh, aspect of us. That'll happen when we, when we get to glory. Won't that, can you imagine being in heaven and not having any predisposition to sin? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Uh, that will be wonderful. That'll be a great time. And I look forward to that. I know you do too. But um, so we need to understand the flesh is under the domination of uh, sin. Uh, Galatians 5.17, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And they are contrary the one to the other so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. In other words, if you are not yielded to the spirit, you are going to be dominated by sin. It might be really nice looking sin. It might be real good self-discipline, but it's for the wrong motive. But I'm telling you, anything that is not done by the Spirit, it's like what uh, Jeremiah says, all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We fool ourselves because we look better than we did last year. But if we're just living according to good habits, and those are important, but we're not walking in the Spirit, folks, um, uh, that that's sin. And then, of course, if you yield more and more to the flesh, you're going to do the things that you do not want to do. When we're under the Spirit, then he's got the control of our life. For our flesh is totally under bondage to sin. And uh, we need to understand that. Ellie Maxwell, uh, in his book, Abandoned to Christ, says, Here Paul comes to a conclusive conviction that he is by nature a captive and utterly unable to overcome the workings of inward evil. He recognizes fully the mighty power of fleshly antagonism to the new born-again life God has given him. He is a new creature in Christ, but he is under the power of evil. Now, this is something you've got to get a hold of. Your salvation is glorious. And you do not have to live a life of sin at all. You're more than a conqueror. But you're not going to reform your flesh. You've got to understand that your flesh is uh, sinful, selfish, and if allowed to be in control, uh, you're going to be in trouble. And that's why you cannot take it like, listen, halfway Christianity is deadly. Not confessing something. Some of you right here have not yet dealt with some things that you need to tell your parents about. And you're in trouble. You are in trouble. You've got other issues. You've got attitudes. You've got problems. And you're thinking, well, you know, I really, I'm here. I've got heart to do right. But you know down deep that you haven't really 
settled everything in your heart, well, you're in trouble because if you yield to the flesh, the flesh is uh, dominated by what? Sin. And that's where corruption will come. Preparing to begin a meeting in a large city, uh, the evangelist Billy Sunday, he was quite a character. He wrote a letter to the mayor in which he asked for the names of individuals as mayor was saved. He knew who had spiritual problems and needed help in prayer. And so the uh, uh, mayor promptly, to the surprise of the evangelist, sent a city directory. <laughs> and that's true. I mean, uh, it, uh, it's such a, it's a reality. I love the illustration of a little three-year-old's explanation for being in the kitchen, the kitchen uh, right on top of a chair, eating cookies. She told she was not supposed to eat any of those cookies. She said, I just climbed up to smell them and my tooth got caught. <laughs> and that's exactly, I'm telling you folks, that's our predisposition. That's about the same excuse that it sometimes you all give for your homework not getting in. <laughs> well, prof uh, of course, you're not supposed to talk to your professor. Well, Dean, I, uh, whatever. And, uh, sometimes you, you try to show us the greatest respect to esteemed college students, but you can't help smile inside and say, hmm, there has, there has been a little bit of reworking that explanation, you know. Uh, uh, it's amazing how half-truths can come up. Why you were in the room when you weren't supposed to be or whatever. Listen, folks, it's time to get out of being a kid, okay? And, uh, and to, but it, the point is, that's just the way we are naturally. Now, the good thing is, you've got a conscience that God gave you from uh, your uh, conception. And you have the Holy Spirit that will take the word of God and build into you the conscience that is going to, and to cause you to want to do right and to expose what is wrong. Looking back with me at the same passage there, we mentioned that the flesh is, of course, uh, fully under the dominion of sin. But then you see the battle there, verses 15, the things I don't want to do, I do. The things that I would do, I don't do. And... Uh, and that's because sin dwelleth in me, verse 17, and then verse 18, for I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. The new man hates sin. How many times you said, well, I didn't want to do that, but I don't want to do that. And you sort of make yourself feel better because your new man is disgusted by the sin that you were involved in. Well, it's a good thing that the new man exposes the sin. Um, but the fact is, if you're not walking through the power of the Spirit, the flesh is going to win. Ephesians uh, 4.22, as I mentioned, uh, verse 24, we're created in righteousness and true holiness, but we need to be renewed in the spirit of our mind because our old man before we were saved, that controlled our flesh is uh, full of deceitful lusts, and though we're uh, transformed, we still have that tendency. Now, here's what I want to mention. Here's a trap that happens all the time. I've got a good heart. Um, I don't want to do that. I agree with the preaching. And yet, defeat after defeat, after defeat, after defeat. 
Is a good heart necessarily a, um, does it prove that you are walking in the spirit? Not according to this passage. What does a good heart prove? You're saved. Exactly. You're saved. Well, praise the Lord. You're saved. But a good heart doesn't mean you're walking with God. And by the way, the more you know, the more the battle goes. Because you begin to see all the little nuances of self. And God is good to open those up. But a lot of Christians fall into the trap of thinking they're okay because they want to do right. And, um, and, and by the way, when you're working with a new disciple, just because they want to do right and they're obviously saved doesn't mean they're living in victory and everything's going to go well. You've got to understand, if they do not understand the spirit-filled life and the fact of the grace of God empowering them, what are they going to fall back into? Sin. That's why you have to uh, sacrifice as a discipler to teach truth, to bring them to understanding of Christ in them, the hope of glory. Did you know new Christians can really get hold of it? In fact, many times new Christians go way ahead of older Christians because they just take these truths and they just believe them and they start having victory after victory. All the old man things fall off and they're totally renewed in their thinking and, uh, and the power of the Holy Spirit keeps overpowering the flesh, which it can do very easily because the Spirit is all-powerful. But when we, we, we rationalize because... Uh, yeah, I shouldn't have that in my life, shouldn't have that attitude, but I want to do what's right. I'm going to end up when I graduate, I'm going to serve the Lord. But right now, there's no spiritual fruit. Oh, you, you may agree with the preaching, and there are times when you read the Bible that you're happy with that, but there's not that sense of glory in your soul about God keeping your mind pure, your heart pure, you're seeing your life change. You're transformed. You're in awe of who he is. That's not going on. Do you realize you're set up? <clears throat> You've got a target on your back that's so big Satan can't miss it. You are setting yourself up for a fall. That little bad attitude will turn into a big bad attitude. That little root of bitterness will keep digging down deeper and will defile you and others. That little sensual sin will go from one thing to the next because you're not walking in the power of spirit. And then you will do things, think things that you never thought that you would. The one thing I hear in the office all the time is, I never meant to do that. And I believe it. They didn't want to, but they did not understand that they could not play with fire because of that their flesh is dominated by sin and it's only by a full surrender to the Lord understanding you can't do it but he can that, that you can have victory this is very simple what I'm telling you but it's very difficult it's difficult because we are so used to trusting ourselves rationalizing and, try, and thinking we're okay when we're not completely yielded and being completely yielded is the key now let's look at the resulting conflict here in these last couple of minutes verse 19 <clears throat> For the good that I would, I do not. That paper that I'm going to do on time, I don't do. But the evil which I would not, that I do. That getting upset with my roommate that I didn't want to do, I did do. 
Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. In other words, the sin nature is going to do that. It's going to make you selfish. It's going to make you react. It's going to make you have a bad attitude. It's going to cause you to think things you shouldn't do, look at things you shouldn't look at. It's going to cause you to start belly aching. It's going to start. It's going to cause you to say things that you didn't mean to say, and it's going to cause you to make some really horrible decisions if you go months without getting right with God. This is what happens all the time to good, quote unquote, Christians. You see, you think about it, you see it in your church. Good people, no power. And then all of a sudden you find out there's been some big problems in their home. Well, that shouldn't surprise you. Uh, and, um, and so there, there's this constant conflicting purposes. I already read there from Galatians chapter 5. The flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. The spirit wants us to do good. The flesh resists doing good and it is a battle. It's amazing how the flesh gets control of us, especially with the distractions that we have years ago. Uh, and I remember um, when uh, the uh, we finally had someone land on the moon. I mean, that was I mean that totally. That was on a Sunday night, if I remember correctly. Was, uh, we began. We were able to hear about it coming back from church. And everybody was in awe of that. Well, anyway, a family was sitting eagerly before their television set waiting to see all of these pictures. And they were hearing all about it. And the tension as they were watching all of this was interrupted by the voice of a child who just entered the room. I want to see Howdy Doody. <laughs> well, the family laughed. You don't know what Howdy Doody is. Anybody know what Howdy Doody was? Oh, okay, all the old guys and Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Minnesota is a little behind, you know, but uh, anyway. Uh, but they all laughed, but to her, as a very immature little girl, Howdy Doody was more important than the first man landing on the moon. And the flesh is very immature, folks. We make decisions to do things that satisfy us and are not important and take away time and hurt us and, and we miss... Uh, reaching people with the gospel. We don't do things that we ought to do and we, and we just cannot see it the right way. But the Spirit of God is convicting us all the time to do the important things. Now here's another area that fools us, folks. If you look with me uh, uh, at verse uh, 20, uh, 22. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am. Now, here's another trap. First of all, because we have a good heart, we think we're okay, and we're not. The second trap is, you really like the Word of God. You enjoy methods of Bible study. You're listening intently to me today. There's something in your heart that just gets stirred. You, you're reading Romans 7, and Holy Spirit is using that in your heart, and you delight in the law of the Lord. If I were to talk about uh, your time with the Lord in the morning, and when you think about just reading the Bible, prayer is harder. Uh, that's where a real conflict comes in. But isn't there a warm feeling in your heart to reading the Bible? Don't you love that? I mean, honestly... When you're not right with God, you still like to come to services because there's something about the Word of God that comforts you. And that's really the way it is. 
I mean, why do people come when you know half of them really aren't right with God? Why do they come? It's not just habit. They like to hear the word of God. So we can think we're spirit-filled because we have a heart to do what's right, and we can think we're spirit-filled because we love the word of God. Is that what the context is here? Is Paul talking from the standpoint of victory or defeat? Defeat. You see... He says, right after I delight in the law of the Lord after the inward man, but I see another law in my members. I have the flesh still. Now, I, my, I have everything I need for victory, he would say here, and he'll say it in just a minute. But my flesh is trying to bring me into sin. And so if I am not walking in a total dependent relationship with God... Even though I have a heart to do right, even though I delight in the word of God, I am in trouble. Some of you young people right now are in more trouble than you even realize. You're really glad to be here. You're enjoying the different classes that you're in. You're glad to be in chapel. But you're feeling good about a life that God doesn't say is good. Because if you're living in the power of the flesh, he's not impressed at all. Because nothing in the flesh pleases God. Fleshly Christianity is an abomination to God. Now he loves you. And he's ministering to you. And he's putting his arm around you. And he's drawing you to himself. But whatever it is in your heart, whatever's holding you back from really yielding, whatever lack of surrender is there, whatever... Uh, issues that you haven't been willing to really confess uh, all of this good feeling is not meaning that you're walking with the Lord so uh, what does he say oh wretched man that I am who shall deliver me from this body of death boy at this point it seems pretty hopeless doesn't it <laughs> but the good news is in the next verse I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So with, then with the mind, I, myself, I serve the law of God. But with the flesh is the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation. And you go into the power of the Holy Spirit in chapter 8. So if Paul could say, O wretched man that I am, and mean it, don't you think we better say the same thing? Young people, this is a simple lesson. I'm not really preaching as much as just trying to teach here this morning. Don't trust yourself. Don't be okay with 90%. Don't be okay with a self-dependent life. You say, well, look, I'm not like I was before. And I don't have those sins anymore in my life like I used to. And I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. I mean, I'm a lot better than I used to be. God knows you're, you're a wreck about to happen. Because the flesh will not work. But my friends, when you yield to the Holy Spirit in just simple humility, you can do that in a moment. Then you have all the power you need. I thank Christ Jesus, my, our Lord. In Christ, we have everything. And my friend, there isn't one sin of the flesh. There's not one attitude. There's not one aspect of ministry that God wants you to do that you're scared to do. There's nothing in your life that the Holy Spirit cannot overcome in a moment if you'll trust him. You can go from fear when you're yielded to the Lord to courage 
to talk to somebody about Jesus. It's an amazing thing. All of a sudden, uh, God deals with you about some issue in your life. And uh, you've been so afraid to deal with it. But you say, Lord, I yield to you. The Spirit of God gives you the courage makes that phone call. Talk to the person you need to talk to. And you think then afterwards, what was I so bound up about? It almost was easy. Well, when God carries you, wow. But you got to understand, in this room, right now, there are only two categories of people if we assume all of you are saved. There's only two categories of people. Those who are spirit-filled and those who are flesh-dominated. There's no in-between. And if you have any area of self-dependence, and if you have areas that are not completely right, you're in the category of um, flesh-dependent. And what dominates the flesh? Sin. No power. No ultimate blessing. No eternal consequences. No growth. No ability to be used of God. Oh, you can do some good things. But it's only God that can do it. And then there's those of you here, and you're truly walking in fellowship. Totally by the grace of God. And your life's in victory right now. There's no in-between. It's not 50-50, 80-20. It's just not. You're either spirit-filled. And by the way, if you're spirit-filled, you know it. There's freedom. If you just sort of weigh down, and there's uneasiness, and there's pressure... There's probably some things you need to deal with. Depend on the Spirit. What victory we have. Isn't that amazing? Did you know you can get up in a day and actually know that I can live in victory all day long? Now, obviously, we have the flesh. But if, you, if we just keep yielding and to the Spirit, we start off by communicating with God. And if we communicate with God throughout the day, we can live in victory. I can anticipate today that I can walk with God. And I can walk with God tomorrow, and so can you. You don't have to be this giant of a Christian. Just let the Holy Spirit have control. He's in you. So we're going to keep hammering some of this, folks, because you got to get it because it goes goes against your natural reaction. Our natural reaction is to trust ourselves and to think we're okay. Or to feel there's no possibility I can do it one way or the other. Satan gets to us. But if we'll humble ourselves and realize There's a battle going on, but I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. I have all I need in Christ. Man, when you get a hold of that, it's just glorious. Every day's a good day. Every day you have the fruit of the Spirit. Every day you have the power to do what you ought to do. Every day you can begin to keep that, that, or you can continue on the development of your character and and to not let your flesh reign. By the way, bad character is caving into the flesh. Now, good character can be flesh, but the God will trans form you and if you're yielding to the Lord you'll develop habits and character that will enable you to do the will of God. It's a wonderful thing. So I trust you'll today just say Lord I don't want to live in the flesh I really do want to yield to you. Let's bow for prayer.